Uh, now, you guys can stay standing. Let's just enter these courts with prayer this morning. Um, and let's just, yeah, let's trust God this morning to speak to us. Um, I really pray that it's not my voice that you hear too much, but actually God's voice uh, this morning. And then he speaks into our hearts. And the reason we came here is for him. And so let's, let's trust God for a word this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, that even as we have entered your courts with thanksgiving and praise this morning, Father God, um, as our, our cries have gone out for you, Father God, we just glorify your name. We thank you for your kids. We know, Lord, that every single one of those children come from you and return to you and that they're a heritage from you and that we get the blessing and the privilege of being part of their lives, Father God, as we see our next generation grow. Lord, I just pray even now, Lord, that you would quieten down our hearts, that we'd get into a position where we could receive your word uh, so it will be like a seed into our heart that will start to grow something, Father God, that takes root so that we may do your kingdom's cause. In Jesus' name, all God's people said... Amen. Come on, why don't you look, as you take a seat, look to the person next to you and say, if it wasn't for you, I would be the warmest dressed person here this morning. Uh, uh, hey, I'd be the warmest dressed. How many of you enjoying the snow? Anybody get out to the snow this weekend? No. Uh, wait, I saw a hand at the back there. Wow, okay. Okay. Yeah, we, we went to the snow this weekend as a family um, and we booked a place. Uh, we stayed there on Friday night and we, were, we stayed there during the day and it was still raining. And we said, uh, they said, stay, the snow's coming. And I just said, I have faith, but I don't think so. And uh, we left and an hour later, we went onto social media and it was literally snowing where we were. I was like, but we still had a blessed time. We got to do the whole scenic drive back from Bainscliff. We live in a beautiful part of the world. Don't you agree? Hey, it's crazy. It just reminds you, if you ever feel like you're stuck in a, in a rut, why don't you just take a drive out to those mountains and just remember how glorious God is. He created all of that. Uh, the creator of the universe can do that. Just imagine what he can do in our lives. Hey? Come on. We are in our series called the Encounter Series, and it actually leads up to our fast week, which is happening in the last week of this month from the 25th. Uh, if you don't know what a fast is, a fast is when we give up things of the world to use that space and time to actually get onto God's agenda. I think sometimes we're asking God to get onto our agenda. God, will you change this? God, will you give me that? God, we... But actually a fast is when we actually get rid of all of the things of the world and the things that we feel that we're in control of, the fleshly things, and we actually dedicate that time towards pressing into God and hearing from what the Holy Spirit wants to say. So we want to invite you. We're going to be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We're going to have a praise and worship evening here every single night, the last week of this month. And we'd love you guys to join. Uh, the title of the message this morning is to learn, to listen, and to grow. How many of you want to grow here this morning? Just like a wave of hands. So that's literally at least 85% of you. The other 15%, I'm praying that you would grow through this, this, um, this sermon today. But I believe that God wants to grow us. I don't believe that God just wants us to have this. He's created us on purpose and for a purpose, as Saki was saying. But I don't believe He just created us so that we could be there. I believe He created us so that we can grow in intimacy with Him. And I believe that the way that we do that is when we learn to first listen. We need to stop and learn how to listen before we could learn and then grow. And so uh, I really pray that during this sermon, we would just stop and just try and hear what God has to say in our lives. Is that good? Why don't you high five somebody next to you because you guys are looking super, super like, I, I, I feed off your energy, right? Come on, let's get into it. Okay, um, our scriptures. 
you can go and make your mark there. It's 1 Kings chapter 19 and 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you want to make your way there this morning, we'll get to the scripture a bit later. But before we start, I want to introduce you to a guy. His name's Dr. Alfred Tomatis. You know, after over a half a century ago, Dr. A. Alfred Tomatis was confronted with a curious case in his 50-year experience as an otolaryngologist. Yeah, could you say that in one word? Otolaryngologist. I literally had to break that up with hyphens so that I could say it without looking like, I don't know what I'm saying. But it's actually a very fancy word for ear, nose, and throat specialist. I don't know why at the hospitals they don't like just say ear, nose, and throat specialist. <laughs> Autolaryngologist. I'm like, yeah, that's the guy I'm looking for. But anyways, in his 50 years experience as an ears, nose, and throat specialist, he had never seen this case that he was confronted with. You see, a renowned opera singer, his name was Enrico Caruso. He was the most famous opera singer of the particular time. Had mysteriously lost his ability to hit a certain note while singing. And even though uh, the notes were still in his octave range, he could no longer sing them anymore. And so what happened is Enrico went to specialists to try and find this out. And most specialists just wrote it off as vocal problem. But not Dr. Tomatis. You see, by using a sound frequency device, what Dr. Tomatis did is he measured the frequency of the sound. And he came to this conclusion that Enrico, when he was singing this note, was reaching a note of 140 decibels. Now just to give you an idea, that is the same noise a military jet makes when it takes off. This opera singer was reaching phenomenal amounts of sounds as it was taking off. And so Dr. Tomatis came to this conclusion that the singer had just become deaf from his own voice. And because he no longer could hear the tone anymore, he could no longer sing the tone anymore. In his own words, Dr. Alfred Tomatis said this, the voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. The Academy of Medicine actually dubbed this the Tomatis effect, this ability to not be able to hear and, and, and sing. Whilst there's ramifications for this in opera was quite big, I think that there's something we can learn in our own spiritual Christian walk, is that there are ramifications in our Christian walk. Like, think about it. All of us face problems, right? Not one person sitting here today has not ever been through an emotional problem. Not one person sitting here today has not been through a relational problem. Or a spiritual problem. But just like Dr. Tomatis worked out, the problem sometimes not the problem. It's the symptom to the cause. It's the Tomatis effect, the spiritual Tomatis effect, if you may. You see, sometimes our ears can be deaf to what God wants to say by our own negative talk. Our own negative talk can actually drown out what God's trying to say in your life. And sometimes God's word can't come through because we are so in a space that we're breaking ourselves down every day, thinking we ain't good enough. Sometimes it, uh, it can be the voice of criticism. I don't know if you've ever grown up in an environment where you've been criticized so much during your life that you actually can't believe anything else for yourself anymore. You believe that's your reality, the voice of criticism. Sometimes it's the voice of conformity. And the voice of conformity is the voice of culture. I saw a pastor um, on a social media, Bobby Chandler, post this this week, and I thought it was so fitting to this. He said, don't passively allow the screens of culture to lie to the hearts of your family. 
Don't allow the screens of culture to lie to the hearts of your family. I want to tell you something. If your kids spend so much time on YouTube more than they spend with you, don't be surprised when you wake up one day and that YouTube has brought them up in culture, in society, in a a thing that, that seems very unsteady. We need to allow God's word to be the thing that we bring, God's word to speak truth into our families and allow the word to take penetration in our hearts and grow us so that we know the difference between what is of the world and what is of God. Amen? Come on. Sometimes it can be the voice of condemnation. You know, the Bible actually says that we've got a common enemy. Uh, that common enemy is called the accuser of the saints. And he's also dubbed the father of lies. And sometimes we let Satan speak into our life. And because we are listening to the lies that he's speaking over our life, whether they're even religious lies, Remember, Christianity is about a relationship. It's not a religious thing that you don't do to get to God. You get into intimacy with our Father. And sometimes we need to wake up to the fact that the enemy is lying to us every single day. But when you start to listen to his lies, you may be deafened to what God's trying to say to you. And if you can't hear his voice, you can't sing his song. And if you can't sing his song, sometimes your life may feel like it's off key. I'm speaking to myself. Like I, I, I struggle with this sometimes. I feel like I'm off key. And then I go, what do I need to do in that moment? Is I need to get back onto God's agenda. And so today I want to give you a prescription to this problem. And it's this. Learning to discern the still small voice of God is the solution to a thousand problems. And it's the key to discovering your identity. It's the key to discovering your destiny. You know why? Because His voice, when you hear it, it brings joy. His voice brings wisdom. His voice brings healing. His voice brings peace. His voice brings power. His voice brings grace. His voice brings truth. His voice brings life. Do you know what God's voice did right in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3? God said, let there be. And then the Bible says there was four. Words God used. I want, do you know what the significance of those four words? Have you ever stopped to think? You speak to scientists today and they'll tell you. At the edge of the universe, galaxies are still busy being formed as we speak. Four words God spoke into existence that is still creating as we talk now. That is the God you serve. That is the God we worship. It's the God that can speak things into existence and it can continue to speak those those four simple words. How did he do it? With his voice. You know that same voice that spoke the universe into existence? (laughs) It's the same voice that made the sea part in the Red Sea. It's the same voice that told the sun to stand in the sky. It's the same voice that can take a lame man and make him warm. It's the same voice that can make a deaf man hear or a blind man see. It's the same voice that can turn water into wine. His voice can resurrect a man who has been dead for four years. There is nothing God's voice cannot do. God's voice can speak through a donkey. God's voice can speak through a burning bush. I want to tell you in a sea where there's a storm, he can stand on a boat in Galilee and with three words, he can say, peace, be still. God's voice does doesn't just audibly come out. It changes everything around us. It can form and transform. And why do we struggle to get this? Why do we all going, yes, Dita, I know, I've got to hear God's voice. Why do you struggle to hear God's voice? Have you ever stopped to wonder that? 
I think it's because of our understanding of the word voice. What is voice? When I say voice to you, what do you think voice? You think communication. If you don't listen to what I'm saying, I'm going to speak louder at you like my kids. Take your shoes to the bedroom. If I want to speak louder, it's just like, take your shoes to the bedroom. We use our voices to communicate. We use our voices to sing. But our voices and the capacity of our voices are limited to that because we think voice, we think phonics. But when you think of God's voice, you should think physics. You see, we think we've got to hear the audible sound in order for God to do. No, you just need to understand that when God speaks, He creates. He speaks, it's, His voice is, brings phonics, a physics into hand. Uh, you know, mostly when people speak to me and say, when I ask them, have you ever heard the voice of God? I've only had one person ever say this to me, that they've audibly heard the voice of God. I was like, geez, let's bry some time. Let's hang around a lot more. <laughs> but I don't, personally, I've never heard the audible sound of God. Detour. Never heard that. But have I heard God's voice? Every single day. Because I understand how God's voice works. You see, God uses His voice to create. When driving through the mountains, I can see. That's God's voice. Just He spoke that into existence. And I believe if He can do that, imagine what He can do in my life. You see, God's voice can convict us. It can heal us. It can reveal things to us. It can guide us. It can give, bring grace in a moment that it's needed. And this is one point that I think if you're ever taking a point today, take this point. God is speaking. Are you listening? Are you waiting to hear it audibly or are you waiting to glorify him because you see it in everything around you? Maybe you're so focused, like I get sometimes, where you're so focused on the things going wrong that you stop to look at the things that are going right. The things that God's voice is building and creating things around me. You see, I want you to get this. God is speaking and are you listening? So here's the thing. Is his voice the loudest in your life at the moment? Have you stopped? Take stock right now. Is God's voice the loudest? Or is your finances the loudest? Is your schooling the loudest? Is your relationships the loudest? Or is God's voice the loudest? And if God's voice is not the loudest, well, that may be your problem. But today it may also be your solution. Because <laughs> I want to give you some things out of, out of the Bible that gives us an idea on how to listen to God's voice. Anybody here ever speak? How many? Anyone speak more than three languages here? Just give me a quick wave. Wow, great. Can you come and speak them for me? No, I'm joking. No, we're not going to. But um, so learning a language is difficult, right? Like if you've ever tried to get those apps and try and learn like German, I just sound really dumb. Like when I try and say it the way they want me to say it. But more importantly, I've learned that I am having to relearn Afrikaans. I grew up in Brackenfell, large school, Brackenfell, and I could speak Afrikaans fluently. Then I moved to this, can I say Roy Neck without being degrading? Because my neck does go red in the sun, like it does. But I moved to this part, of this part of the world, and all of a sudden, everybody spoke more English, and I never spoke Afrikaans. I'm having to relearn Afrikaans, because we just moved to Malmesbury, and Afrikaans there is a special Afrikaans. 
it's, it's like starting a two-stroke motor. Like, like, I can't understand. Like, I was trying to understand, and that's not to take away, I love the people in Mansri, and I actually think the way they speak Afrikaans is how it should be spoken Afrikaans. I just need to figure out what it means. So I get there, and um, the lawyers, as we bought this place, I keep getting this lawyer's letter, and all I can't make out, because the words are like this long on the page. I'm like, wow. I have to like put hyphens like the otolaryngologist. <laughs> but I, so I didn't understand it. I said to my wife, I'm just going to ignore it. She goes, you can't ignore it. It's a lawyer's letter. I said, there's a mount, 3,000. I said, it'll come back, and then when they ask for it, I'll know what it's about. And anyways... Like, it was a month and a half into it, they cut our electricity. It was an electricity bill that I was supposed to put onto our name, but I couldn't understand what they were saying, and so I have to be better at learning the new language. Sometimes we need to move into environments where we get good at learning the new language of how God speaks to us. We need to actually keep learning the language, keep persisting to try and learn to understand the language. Not only do, do we need to learn the language and take time, it does take time to do that. We need to understand that learning a new language takes relationship. I think about my wife. We're together for 18 years. I know when she's hungry. <sighs> there are like physical stuff that comes out when Abby's hungry. I reckon that there are wars caused on this planet just because somebody didn't have breakfast before they left the house. If there are hangry people here, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I can also see when Abby's sad and when she's, she needs somebody to talk to because there's a language. She doesn't even have to physically say it. I can understand it. Why? Because we're in relationship. You see, learning a new language takes time, but it also takes a relationship. And in encountering God is going to take time and a relationship. Can we bring that slide up? Because that's what God wants from you. He wants your time. And He wants a relationship with you. And it takes a bit of time to do that. Prayer is not about talking to God and giving Him our agenda. Prayer is about getting into the presence of God so that we can understand how to get back onto God's agenda. And that's what we need to realize as Christians is that we need to keep walking in a way that draws us closer to God. It's about listening to God. You see, listening to God is far more important than talking to God. I know some of you are going, but then how do I? Yes, God wants you to talk to Him. But sometimes we make the whole dialogue with God about what we want from Him. Do we ever stop to listen to what He wants for your life? What He desires for you? And so I came to this conclusion is I need to hear what God has to say more than what he has to hear what I have to say. And that's the space that we need to get to. It's like actually a space where we quieten ourselves down and listen to what God has to say. Can the worship team come up, please? So a couple of things that I want to give you is just two points up front and then we're going to jump into the scriptures. Um, the two points... I've decided to give up front because I really think they're important and we need to get these. Okay, so the first point is this. If you aren't willing to listen to everything God has to say, don't be surprised one day when you don't hear anything he has to say anymore. Some of us choose what we want to listen to God on. But maybe we need to stop. And in that loving relationship, actually listen to everything he has to say through his word, through time in prayer with him. It's just to stop. Have you ever quietened yourself down in your prayer and said nothing before? Maybe that's a space that we need to, to get onto, is we need to get into God's. And sometimes a lot of us are always looking for His comforting voice. 
But you know, your parents always give you two voices and I love the fact that they do. They give you their comforting voice, but they also give you their convicting voice. And a lot of us are too scared to listen to God's convicting voice because we think He's going to smite us. If that's how you feel, I want to let you know that that's not God. God's got a love language. His love language is in the Bible and it's in 1 John 4, 16. Just describes it best. It says, God is love. That's His love language. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. If it's not loving, it's not God. I've met very hyper-religious people in, in just my walk with Christ that have tried to bring shame and condemnation. And I'm going, whoa, where are you coming with that? Because that's not God. Try and put heaviness on you. No, God wants to comfort you and bring intimacy in you. But that doesn't mean that God has only got a comforting voice. Sometimes we need to listen to God's convicting voice. Sometimes it's tough love. You know, sometimes the things I wanted to hear least are probably the things that I needed to hear most. How many of you have married couples here today? When your spouse says something to you that calls a truth out and it hurts and you know you're wrong, do you dig your heels in and get stubborn just because you want to be right? even though you know it's not truth. Are they doing it to break you down? No. They're doing it to call out a truth in your life. And we need to, as a family, allow people to do that and especially allow God to do that in our lives. Is when He starts to convict us, the very thing when God says, don't do that. And we go, Aina, I didn't want to hear that. Maybe that's what you needed to hear the most in that season. And the last, uh, second point is this. We live in a culture where everyone wants to be heard, but have so little to say. We live in a culture where even in America, I was just watching a documentary and I'm like, it's, it's like we're measuring everything on feelings. I associate with this. Why? Because that's how it makes me feel. I feel good when I associate. I still say, cool. But you can be manipulated by your feelings. You know Why? Because if I don't agree with your feeling right now, you're going, you are hurting my feelings and therefore it's hate speech. But a lot of times it's not tethered to reality. It's not, some of the stuff that's coming out, it's not even re realistic. It's like, how did you even get there? Or maybe because we're allowing our feelings and our emotions, how we want to feel trumps how we want to live with God. And God is the truth. He brings the truth of life in us through His Word and through His prayer. And so sometimes we live in a culture where everybody just wants to be heard. I'm just going to talk and say it and you must agree with it. Actually, that's not the truth. And I think the reason we get there, the fundamental reason we get there, is probably because me and all of us here and probably everybody on this planet doesn't practice listening enough. We don't listen enough. We want to say. But do we stop to listen? You know, if you want people to listen to you, then you best listen to God because then you'll have something worth listening to. And that's what we need to get into connection and relationship with God. And so my first Bible character out of 1 Kings chapter 19 is Elijah. Before we get into the Scripture, I want to paint the picture. Elijah was a prophet of God. Okay, He was sent by God to give a message. King Ahab 
who's supposed to be the king of Israel and looking after the Israel and moving people into a relationship with God, has now sinned and he's married a woman called Jezebel who worships uh, pagan gods, Baal being exact. And so she would actually set up satanic rituals around this. And he was not man enough to stand up and he just allowed this to continue. So God sends Elijah to give him a message and says, go to King Ahab and tell him to stop. It's pretty much the summary of that. Ahab refuses to stop. Sometimes we like, somebody tells us to stop something and then we refuse to stop. Maybe we can feel like that sometimes. But Ahab refuses to stop and God is very hurt by this and says, listen, tell him I'm sending a drought. That there'll be a drought on the land. Everybody's gonna struggle because of this drought. And so God sends a drought. He says to Elijah, but I'm gonna look after you. I'm gonna send you to a place where there's a little stream of water by a creek. And then I'm gonna feed you with checkers 6060. No, he didn't feed him with checkers 6060. Hear this, this is crazy. If you go to the laws of Leviticus, a raven was an unclean animal. God used an unclean animal to feed Elijah in the wilderness. God can use anything. He can change physics. He'll change the rules so that He could reach you. It's crazy. And then He comes back and He meets this widow. He supplies her with food and then He raises her son to life. And he, God says, now go back to Ahab and tell him to change. And then all of a sudden, they get into this bot, this argument. Where Jezebel says, our God's a real God, Baal's a real God. And he says, well, if your God's a real God, why don't we go up onto the hill, create an altar, and then tell your God to light the, 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 the offering on fire. Then we'll know your God's a real God. And they say, okay, cool, Elijah, we're up for that. They're all 350 prophets of Baal trot up on this hill. And then all of a sudden they spend days chanting, trying to get this fire. Come on, Baal, Baal, do it, Baal. And it doesn't happen and nothing gets lit. And then all of a sudden they say to Elijah's laughing at them and they're saying, well, you give it a go. Elijah says, before I give it a go, can you get gallons and gallons and gallons of water? Could you wet that altar so that even the stones are soaking wet? And then Elijah gets down on his knees and a fire roars out of the altar and God shows himself to be the one true God. Elijah then kills the 350 prophets of Baal because God asked him to do that. But then God says to him, Elijah, you know that promise of rain? It's coming. Can you see it? He goes, I can't see it, God. He says, it's only the size of a man's hand. But there's a clown coming and that clown's a storm. And Elijah's going, God, what are you talking about? Some of us in our lives are looking for God to move. But we're going like, we don't see the physical things. But God's saying, there it is. And it's about to come. And Elijah, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit so that you can outrun the chariots because you need to run so fast because if you get caught in this storm, you're in trouble. He goes, okay, God, sends the Holy Spirit. It says he lifts up his loins and he runs from the hill back to the gates. I tried to work this out, but I think he must have run at about the distance of a marathon at two minutes a kilometer. Holy Spirit driven running. Pray for that every time I run the two oceans. <laughs> but he makes it to there and then that same Holy Spirit that God anointed him with, he uses to run away from God. Why? I this is Dieter's exegetical point of view. I think that Elijah was probably had an expectation that when everyone saw the one true God, they were all gonna worship and then everyone be saved and everybody's happy. And sometimes we look at God, we put this mantle before him and go, God, if it's that, then I'll know. And I think that his expectation didn't meet what the reality was when he gets depressed and he finds himself in the middle of a desert underneath a broom tree asking God to take his life. So depressed that he's saying, God, take my life. It says that 
God does three things in that moment. He touches him, he feeds him, and he restores him. If you're going through that season, I want to let you know, allow God to touch you, to feed you through his word and to resuscitate you so that you could keep going. God wants you to keep stepping. He says, Elijah, keep stepping. There's a promise, Elijah. It's coming ahead. Keep stepping. So Elijah keeps stepping, but he doesn't go where God sends him. He goes to a cave. And that's where our scripture finds us in 1 Kings 19 from verse 11. It says, Then the Lord said, Go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass. Then a great, wonderful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a, came a, look at the person next to you and just came a. We need to hear God. It comes in a gentle mist. The NASB says a gentle blowing. The King James Version, I love it because just if you enjoy poetry, you'll enjoy the King James Version, but it just calls it a still, small voice. A lot of us in our lives, we're allowing all of the other noise around us to take our attention. Oh, that's God. No, that's God. Actually, God comes in a gentle, small whisper. You know, the definition of a whisper is about speaking using one's breath instead of using one's vocal cords. You know, God's breath, just think about it, Genesis 2. It says that He took the clay from the ground and He formed it and He formed Adam. And what did He do? (sighs) He breathed the breath of life into it. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, for all His Scripture is God breathed. God breathes into it and it brings life to it and it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training up in righteousness. You see, when God speaks, He wants us to get close. Think about a whisper. Can you hear what I'm saying? What position would you need to get yourselves into in order to hear what I'm saying? You'd have to come close. Sometimes God's whispering because He needs you close in proximity to Him. It's not shouting at you, even though His outside voice may come in the wind and an earthquake and a fire, but His inside voice is wooing you closer to Himself. And God needs you to get yourself into a position where you can come closer to Him. I, I think about... Um, a whisper is about getting into an intimate moment with somebody, right? Like my kids, um, if you think about, uh, let me just try and, um, my boy is 12 and the other one's 11. And when I drop them off at school, they want to be dropped like a kilometer away from school. How many of you are suffering with that? Hey, your kids, you used to drop them. Bye, mommy, daddy, hug you five times. Now at 12 years old, it's like, uh, just, to stay over there. Don't, don't look like you know me. Eh? And then sometimes I have to trick them. I'm like, come here, I need to tell you a secret. So they come close to me. I lick them in the ear. I love it. They, ah! I tell you, it's so much fun licking somebody in the ear. Just lick the person next to you. You'll see what I'm doing. I'm but sometimes I just grab them and I hug them. You know why? Because I don't just want them to hear my voice. I want them to feel my heart. When you come close to God in the gentle whisper, not only do you hear His voice, but you hear 
His heart for you. His heart for what He wants to do on you, in you, and through you. It's the very breath of life. And I believe that God wants to draw us closer so that He can speak to us. God wants, uh, God doesn't want to intimidate us with a big voice. He wants to woo us with a small voice. It's the very breath of life. And so as I close today, I want to give you a thought and then a challenge. The thought is this. According to Jewish traditions, the name Yahweh was too sacred in Hebrew to actually pronounce it. You'd be put to death if you announced the name of Yahweh. It was too sacred to be pronounced. But listen to this this other view that I read from a theological study Bible. It says, It has been said that the Jewish sages associated the covenant name of Yahweh with breathing. The idea is that the name itself, when pronounced, is the sound of breathing with the two syllables of the name corresponding as the intake and the outtake of breath. In this way, the theory goes, our breaths evoke the name of God. A natural voice as we inhale the sound of and we exhale the name of Yahweh. It's the very breath that can speak into our lives, the breath that declares God's glory. One hand, it is too sacred to be pronounced. On the other hand, your very breath you just took now brings glory to God. Your very breath declares the name of Yahweh, the very breath that He gave you. It was your first word He ever gave you and the last word you will ever have. It's the words that you will use in between your life every single day from now on. And I wanna tell you, if you do you use your breath to glorify God? 23,000 breaths a day is what an average human takes. 750 million a year. How many have you used to glorify God? It doesn't matter. How many do you still have left to bring glory to God? Can we stand and just worship Him? I wanna give us a moment as we just, let's glorify Him with our breath. As we let out a praise and we let out a worship, I want you to think that this is your breath, the breath of life God's given you to bring Him glory. And let's use it this morning to bring Him glory. I wanna give you, I said that that was a thought, that the very breath you take evokes the Name of God and brings glory to Him. Allow Him to breathe on you as you use your breath to bring glory to Him and draw closer to Him. But I wanna leave you with this challenge. And in the Bible, there's this character called Samuel who anointed David. But the way Samuel started was so profound. His his mother Hannah was barren, couldn't have a baby, prayed out to God and said, God, if you hear my prayer and give me a boy, I will give him to you and he'll be raised in the house of the Lord. And so that happens. Samuel's born and he gets given to the temple and he raised in God's house as Eli is the, the priest that he works under. In 1 Samuel 3, it said, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And I believe that maybe because nobody was listening. But it goes on that Eli wakes up in the middle of the night and hears his voice crying out twice. Uh, uh, sorry, Samuel. He goes, Samuel, Samuel so loud that he actually heard it as if he had physically heard it. And then Samuel wakes up and goes to Eli and says, yes, Master, you're calling me. He says, I didn't call your name. Sends him back. Here's his voice cried out again. Maybe today as you stand here, maybe you hear God calling your voice, whatever your name is. Samuel. Samuel. So he wakes up the second time and goes to Eli. He says, I didn't call you. And this happens a third time. But after the third time, Eli, the priest says to him, I want you to respond. And this response is my challenge to you. It's 
So Eli knew that Samuel needed to get into a position where he was ready to be used by God. And so he gives him the scripture out of 1 Samuel 3.9 and he says, next time you hear the voice, say, speak Lord, your servant is listening. That's my challenge to you. The thought is your very breath can bring glory to God and show God through it. But also, it's about getting on your knees and just saying, speak Lord, your servant is listening. Get into a position where you can hear God's voice. And I pray that during this encounter that you will get into many of these positions. Learn to listen to what He wants for you. If you want prayer right now, just in this season, maybe you feel like you want to listen more and it is something that you'd love. I'd love to pray for you. If that is you, you can just give me a show, wave of hands quickly and I'll pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, that as Your Word speaks breath, it speaks life at the same time, Father God. And I pray that through our lives, Your life would resonate, Lord. And I pray that with our breaths, we will glorify You, Father God. But Lord, I just pray, Lord, will You give us the spiritual ears to open up and just hear what it is You want to say, Lord. In that quiet, still moment, Father God, will You drop Your vision into our hearts, Lord. A vision that helps people move towards eternity. I pray that you use us in this season and give us what it's required, Father God, to take every step towards your glory, towards more intimacy with you through your word and through prayer. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're going, maybe I've known he stands at the door and he knocks, as the scripture says, but today you want to open that door. And maybe in your listening, it's just saying, I can hear God calling right now. I pray that you open that door. It's the best decision I ever made. And if that is you this morning, I want to ask you just to give me a wave in a moment, but not for me to identify who you are, but between you and God, just raising your hand, just between you and God, say, God, here I am. Speak. I'm listening. Will you come into my heart as I believe in you? The Bible says, one, that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Two, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And if you want to receive that this morning, why don't you just give us a wave? One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Their hands are going up. Thank you, Jesus. There's a celebration in heaven right now. It says, for one, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, you are moving. Thank you. It says that entire heaven erupts for one that comes home. Billions of angels around the throne room are in celebration for those that are just saying, God, here I am. Maybe church, we can pray together as we close the service out. Let's just pray together. We can pray the salvation prayers. Lord Jesus, I need you. And I thank you that you love me. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I recognize that I have freedom in you. Today, I want to believe in you. Will you come into my heart? Will you transform me from the inside out so that I may serve you for the remainder of my days? If you believe that, all God's people said, come on, can we let out a praise? That is fantastic. I encourage you.